reading out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It'll be on the screen, but you can follow along in your own translation if you'd like as well. I'm reading out the New American Standard Version this morning. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're the light of my world. Go ahead, tell him that. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Lord, help us today. Uh, Multiply your word to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to to see what you would have us see. Uh, May you truly be our vision this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're finishing our series this week on Just Walk Across the Room. And the Just Walk Across the Room series has has focused on one central ideal. We we each take about, on an average, 10,000 steps a day. Some take more, some take less. But but the the premise of this series is, what if just a simple redirection of a few of those steps on any given day might have an eternal impact on someone else's life? In other words, just walking across the room. What if it was just as simple as walking across the room and extending a welcome uh, and, and introducing yourself, beginning to, to strike up a friendship. What if just a few small steps could make the difference in someone's eternity? Now, now when we think about that, I, I want you to always understand when we're talking about one person's eternity being changed, it's never just one person, but it's always their circle, their, their friends, their families, the people that they work with. And so one small uh, deviation in direction, one, just a few small steps towards someone across the room can not only impact their eternity, but their family. Uh, you know, I, I think about myself and, and my family and, and my Christian walk. And, and, and ultimately, my Christian walk was not just based on somebody interacting with me, but, but on a family that many years ago began to serve God. And, and God's always been a part of my life. And I've always heard about him. And, you know, when, when I was an infant, my mom was singing Bible songs to me. And so it's always been part of my life. And so somewhere way back, Somebody impacted someone in my generational tree, and it made a difference not only in their life, but in my life many, many years later. And so just simple steps across the room can have an impact on eternity with not just the people that you're interacting with, but those they'll interact with over the years. It's pretty significant when you stop and think about it. Uh, it, it reminds me, what, what, what's, what's the phrase they use, the butterfly effect? You know, everybody hear that? The butterfly effect, you know, just a, a butterfly uh, flapping its wings across the world can have an impact that impacts the rest of the world. And, and I think it's truly, uh, it's true when, when we're talking about sharing Christ and, and, and striking up friendships and relationships, it makes a difference for eternity. And the ramifications of these little walks across the room uh, sometimes aren't even seen. 
Now, now we began this with the ideal of 3D living, and 3D living is developed friendships, discovering stories, and, and discerning appropriate next steps. In other words, we're building relationship. Discipleship is built on relationship. Discipleship is built on conversations. And, and so discipleship is built not just on the concept of speaking and saying things, but listening, that, that we need to listen twice as much as we speak. And, and it's important that we hear what the other person is saying, that we discover their stories, that we hear not only what the other person is saying, but, but, but we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in that circumstance. Then last week, Pastor Christie talked about the power of story, and we are stewards of this great story of God. And, and, and our stories have been intersected by God's story, and it's changed our life. We are different because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And as Christ followers, as God has invaded our story, his story has invaded our story, we, we have this great story we can share with other people. Not only the story of God, but, but, but our faith story, our before and after. Now, in a couple months, we'll be start seeing those before and after, you know, the, where they stand sideways, and, and then, then they, they get real tan, and, and, and they lose a lot of weight, and they look great, right? You know, we, we all have before and after stories. If we're a Christ follower, if we're Christians, if we have faith today, there is a before and after story that we can tell. And Pastor Christie encouraged you to, to write that story in 100 words or less. And, and I saw several of your attempts to do that, and, and they were just awesome. As I saw how God is beginning to work in your life. And I would challenge you. That, that's not just a one-week um, invitation, but I, I would continue to challenge you. If you've not done that, if you've not taken the time to write your story to faith, your story of faith, your before and after story, I'd encourage you to do that because God has given you that story for a reason so you can share it with someone and they can find faith because of your story. So this series has been an invitation to catch a new vision, a vision to be evangelistic, to to be an evangelist, to to, to be missionaries, not just a minister, but a missionary. And we we can begin to see that that God is not calling us just to be missionaries in far-off countries, but God is calling us to be missionaries in the opportunities and in the places that he's planted us. At your workplace, God is inviting you to be a missionary for him. In your community, in your neighborhood, in your schools, wherever you find yourself, it's an invitation to consider this God who is active and moving and working. Do you believe God is creative, active, and moving? (laughs) And so this is an invitation, as Leonard Sweet suggests in his book, Nudge, to see the God who is moving all around us and enjoying him in his redemptive plan for our planet and for our communities. It's an opportunity to share faith, and it's an opportunity to be grace dispensers, to be salt shakers, if you will, and just share the good news. And this morning, we're going to continue in this series, and we're going to explore grander vision living. Uh, I want to take, I want you to take with me just a a short, who would like to take a three-minute vacation? Raise your hand, okay. Who would like to take a three-month vacation? Raise your hand, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, all I can offer you is a three-minute vacation, I want you to imagine that that someone has given you a a gift vacation to Hawaii. Everybody go, yeah. In Hawaii, if you need to close your eyes to do this, i got to close my eyes because it doesn't feel like Hawaii right now, but I'm going to close my eyes. In Hawaii, the air temperature is 80 degrees and the water temperature is 80 degrees. 
In Hawaii, you're, you're in a lagoon, and in this lagoon, it's kind of separated, and, and you're laying in the lagoon, you're laying in the water, and there's a little bit of a wave, but it's not like these waves at these beaches like in Florida where, where they're twisting you upside down, but you can just lay out there for hours. Oh, who wants to go right now? Doesn't that just sound, you know, you know the sky is blue. There's, there may be a little bit of clouds, but not much, and, and the water's blue, and but, but you're not just there to, to, to lie in, in the surf, but, but you're going to do some snorkeling, okay? Who snorkels? Who snorkels, okay? And so you've got the equipment on, and you're laying there, and it's, you're, you're floating on the waves, and, and, and then you, you roll over, and you begin to snorkel. And, and what you see under the surface, you can open your eyes if your eyes aren't open, the sights under the surface are even more dynamic than the sights and the sounds above the surface. And although it was wonderful and beautiful on the surface, below the surface there's these beautiful fish and the beautiful coral, and and it's just a sight, all the activity, all that's going on under the surface. Today is an invitation to see life below the surface. Grander Vision living is seen beyond the surface and beginning to understand that there's more going on than we see. And if we just pay a little bit of attention, if we roll over, if we get a little bit out of our comfort zone, we'll begin to see things that are even more amazing. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time trying to get people to see things in a different perspective. As a matter of fact, if you were to read the gospel accounts and the stories of Jesus, it seems like almost all he is doing is trying to get disciples and religious leaders and sinners and tax collectors and outcasts to see things differently. And he does it with parables, and he does it with miracles, and he he does it by teaching, and he does it by loving. And in all these ways, Jesus is trying to get people to see things differently. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, and, and Jesus says, you know, you've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And, and, and I think typically we think of that born again as getting saved so you can see heaven. But, but I think Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to something more dynamic to that, than that. Nic- I think Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I want you to be aware that the kingdom of God is active and working and present. And God is not dead and God is not gone and God has not forgotten people. But he is moving and active and you need to be born again so you can have fresh baby eyes, and you can regain your perspective, and you can see the kingdom of God. I want you to know this morning, despite what you see on CNN, or Fox News, or MSNBC, or CBS, or ABC, or NBC, or whatever, I want you to know that our God is not dead. And our God is still moving, and our God is still active. And I think the first thing that has to happen in the church is we have to reawaken to the possibility that God is still creative, and God still cares, and God is still moving. And I think when we begin to see that, it makes us a little bit more excited. Grander vision living is seeing ourselves differently, is seeing others differently. 
Now, it seems in Jesus' ministry, there's, there's two types of people that, that he spends a lot of time interacting with. First, there's the, the sinners, the tax collectors, the outcasts, the people that didn't fit the religious molds of that day. And it seems like the perspective that Jesus is trying to give them is this. You matter. There's life for you. It's possible for you to be in relationship with me. I know that you've fell. I know that you've sinned. I know you've made mistakes. I know you feel like you don't matter. But you matter to God and you matter to me. And then there's another type. There's religious folks. And, and I don't think they, they don't matter to Jesus, but, but, but there's another issue with them, and, and it's that others don't matter. And Jesus is constantly trying to remind them, listen, everyone matters to God. There's not insiders, outsiders. There, there's not the good and the bad. There's people, and God loves them, and his desires all of them to be part of the kingdom. It's your brother and your sister. And Jesus constantly is working on these two perspectives. You matter to God and other people matter to God. Do you realize this week, no matter who you encounter, they matter to God. They are eternally significant to God. Now now there's a a story in the Bible, Luke 15, or Luke 5, 1 through 11. You can follow along in your, your translation if you'd like. I'm reading it from the message because it's just easier to read long narratives from the message because it's written for that purpose. This is Luke chapter 5, and it's a familiar passage. Once when he, Jesus, was standing on the shore of the lake of Gisenaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out there scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon Peter's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Now, let's stop here and just think about this. Simon Peter and, and these other fishermen had been fishing probably all night. And they'd come into shore, and it's morning, and here's this rabbi, and he's teaching. And they're sitting there doing their work while he's speaking, and they're listening to him. I think they maybe have some association previous with him. Probably he's taught, spent some time with them. So they, he's not a stranger, but, but, you know, they're just doing their work. And this guy's speaking. And, and then he, they, in the midst of this, after they're tired, after it's been a long, hard night, who likes to work after you've worked all day? Isn't that your favorite thing? When you get home from work, men wives, husbands, when you get home from work and you've worked all day and the first thing you have to do is more work, right? Kind of imagine how they would feel about that. Jesus, this preacher, this rabbi is saying, it's like I came to your work and said, hey, uh, Rodney, I really need you to do this another way. (laughs) They receive it pretty well, okay? If I, I went out to Russ when he was out in the field and said, Russ, you know, it really looks like maybe we ought to hit this field again with the combine. Uh, you know, it, it's just, he asked them to cast their nets again, but they do it. Master, Simon said, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't even caught a minnow. <laughs> uh, but if you say so, that's how I fish, by the way. 
If you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge hull of fish strained the nets past capacity. They, they waved to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in the catch of fish, all overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, there's nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled, up their boats, they pulled their boats up on the beach, left them nets and all, and followed him. <laughs> An awesome story. And in this story, I think you see both sides of what we've just previously talked about. First, we find Peter who, who said, you know, you're too holy for me. I'm just a poor sinner. I, I have no part in you. I, you know, I see just by this miracle with the fish that, that you know, you're something more than me, and you need to just leave me alone. And I can kind of imagine Jesus just, you know, reaching down, grabbing Peter by the hand, standing him up, saying, no, I want you to know you matter to me. You have a part to play in my kingdom. You know, maybe this morning, that's where you're at. I mean, we, we, we talk about evangelism. I, I think sometimes as as pastors and leaders, sometimes we, we put this guilt on people, and, and, and that's not the intention here. And, and sometimes I think it's, it's not that people don't want to, it's just they feel like I'm unworthy or I'm incapable or it's more than, than I can do or, you know, God really doesn't care about me. I want you to know that, it, that, that if you're hearing my words today, you are extremely important to God. That, that if you were the only one, Jesus would have died for you. That he has a purpose and a plan unique to you. There are no insignificant people in the kingdom. And he invites you to this significant task of seeing the value of others, this grander vision living, this, this ideal that there's more than the surface shows, that, that, that on the surface there's all these temporary things. And Jesus is inviting us to look at eternal things in this room, how many internal things do you see? Bob's eternal. Terry's eternal. Todd's eternal. Devin's eternal. Carol's eternal. You know, the, the only things that are eternal in this room are people. You know, we, we have a, a Bible, and, and the Word of God is eternal, Right? But that method of conveying the word of God is just a book and paper. It's, it's what that message and, and what that, that book does, bringing you into the presence of Christ that, that is eternal. We have a cross up here, and the symbol of the cross is significant, but that cross is going to disappear. Why is it in our lives we focus so much on temporary things that are going to fade and die? And we lose the importance of the eternal. Husbands, that job is not eternal. Wives, that job is not eternal. That 401k 
is not eternal. But the relationships that you have, there's a touch of eternity in that because it's with another person. So like Jesus says, and, and I better get back or I'll be too long because this isn't my notes. That's all, you're always in trouble when pastor's away from the notes. Amen. Somebody said amen. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says there's three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. These are relational things. And so I've always kind of felt like, you know, when Paul's talking about that, when we have these deep love relationships, there is a touch of eternity in that. And yet we focus on the temporary. And the temporary, is this not true? The temporary consumes us, doesn't it? Jesus is saying, I want you to have better vision than that. I want you to see things bigger and better. I don't want you to be focused on all these little small fish when I'm inviting you to fish for gigantic fish, (laughs) human-sized fish of grander vision. In his book, Heibel's writes, grander vision living is finding those who are lost, serving those who are under-resourced, and loving those who've been forgotten. (laughs) I love that. This is grander vision living because you're living for others. You're meeting the needs of others. Vicki used um, City on the Hill and it, it, it begins with the Beatitudes. I love the Beatitudes. I want to preach a series on the Beatitudes and I've actually planned like three but I've gotten sidetracked with other uh, sermon series but we'll do that soon. And Some call the Beatitudes the upside down kingdom. That, that Jesus begins and you know, he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, we, we wouldn't think like that, but Jesus says, you know, you're blessed when you're humble and broken. Uh, you're, you're blessed when you're weeping. You're blessed when people persecute you on account of me. All, all these things that seem to be upside down, but, but then it ends with this ideal of being salt and light, and, and he puts this in a personal light, and, and, and he calls out his followers to, to live for something more than themselves. That's where it all comes down, right? Do, do we understand this? This is the central message of Jesus. Is there something more at stake than just you? And if we live just for ourselves, we're missing the beauty of Jesus. Maybe I need the evangelism linebacker to come and knock selfishness out. David, can I? Verse 16 of chapter 5 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. In other words, live in such a way that that your light is shining and you're just bringing honor and glory and praise and love and acceptance to your Heavenly Father because that's a source of everything. It's a personal invitation to to let our light shine. So we're we're going to try it, okay? Does everybody know the little song? Let me see your little light. Okay, everybody's got a little light. Let's see it. I'm going to turn my mic off so it's not recorded, but you're going to sing with me, all right? Do we, do we know? You know, we teach our kids some pretty significant central truth. And then sometimes I think we grow up to more mature things, and we lose the most important things. Let your light shine. 
Folks, if you didn't do anything else this week but let your light shine, you'd be doing okay from the eyes of Jesus, I think. This morning, though, there's a couple things, just two simple things I want us to see. And the first is this, the priority is people. Um, People matter to God. All people matter to God. You matter to God. But but everyone in these neighborhoods around this church who who have no relationship with our Heavenly Father, they matter to God as well. And he expects them to matter to us. We are in, not the church business, we are in the people business. That's why we exist. We exist to equip the saints for works of service so they may bring glory to our Heavenly Father. That is why we're here. It's not just about us, but it's about those who aren't here yet. Bob Huffaker, who is the pastor of Grove City Nazarene, most of you know, uh, probably are familiar with him, or Grove City Nazarene, a large Nazarene church south of Columbus. But, But he would say this, the most important person at Grove City Nazarene is the person who has not become a part yet. <laughs> Whoa. You know, what, what if we began to think like that? That the most important person at Marysville Church of the Nazarene is the person that has not become a part yet. The person who's not found relation. And we're not talking about stealing Baptist and other places, but we're talking about finding people that have no faith in Christ, and the most important people to us are those people that we can reach for the kingdom of God. I think that's transformative thinking, because typically we think church is all about us. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about others, and God's calling us to see that lost people matter. Now, 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 I think simplistically we need to see that lost people matter because they add value to the body. And as they add value to the body, since we're part of the body, then, then value is added to us. Or think of it another way. Th- think of it as a family. And, and there's three sons. And one son is lost. When the, when the son that's lost becomes part of the family again, Isn't there value added to that family? And as value is added to that family, isn't value added to each individual member of that family? I want you to see that those who are outside these walls, that that are outside relationship with Jesus Christ right now, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And as they are lost, we are lost to a certain degree. We have lost the value of brothers and sisters that God has called us to reach. Why am I saying that? Folks, we need to have some urgency about this. It matters. You see, it's so easy just to kind of go through, you know, you know, be fed just a little bit and do a little bit and feel a little bit better about ourselves. But this isn't about just feeling better about ourselves, but it's about the kingdom of God and growing the kingdom of God and reaching people with the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. People are our priority, and their focus is their potential. You know, we, we have to see them differently. We, 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 we can't always focus on not how they are because sometimes there's ugliness in people's lives, right? But the invitation is to see them how they might be in Christ, to see them how Christ might see them. We, we talked about earlier in this series how, how Jesus had this, I, I think it's fair to say, unique ability. To, to see people 
not as they were, but who they could be in God's kingdom. And it transformed how he reacted and related to them. You know, he, he didn't just see Peter as this hard-headed fisherman that was going to betray him, but he saw Peter as that ambassador for the kingdom that he became. And truthfully, I don't, I don't know that we can't always see people just like Jesus did, but we can try to, right? We can pray and we can ask God to help us to see our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and people that go to school with us in a different way. So what's the application? Start small, but start. Do something. That's the beginning of, that's friend day. Maybe your beginning of this is, is inviting somebody to church. And it's okay if they say no, right? You know, I don't want anybody brought to church in gag and in handcuffs, okay? That'll kind of miss the point of friend day. And it'll probably get us in some trouble. But maybe the invitation is, is the beginning. Maybe just the introduction is the beginning. Maybe it's a realization, you know, and, and I'm going to confess Folks, I've been your pastor for 18 months, and I've been focused on church. The only people I know really is people in the church. I don't have a workplace to go to except for you guys. So maybe the, the beginning of it is just an introduction to a neighbor, or maybe, maybe it's just striking up a relationship with someone. or Maybe, maybe this week, your big step is saying, hey, what did you do this past weekend? And listening. Hey, how's your family? Or it may even be this. Hi, my name's Paul. What's yours? And I, there's got to be some clarity. Last time I preached on a Sunday morning, there was a reference to a blonde joke. I did not make the blonde joke. Dave, stand please. Stand, Dave. Dave made the blonde joke, not me. I just went, what? And everybody blamed me. You can sit down now, thank you. So all those nasty emails. No, I didn't get any nasty emails. Maybe it just begins with an introduction. Maybe it just begins with, I saw on Facebook this past week, one of my friends uh, they do routinely do something nice for their neighbor, and they were out raking their neighbor's leaves. <laughs> Maybe it's something like that, but it starts somewhere. Now, Willow Creek used a strategy called Matthew parties. Anybody ever heard of Matthew parties? Uh, Matthew, of course, was Jesus, the tax collector. And, and after, Jesus, a, after Matthew comes into Jesus' inner circle, after he becomes a disi- disciple, he has this huge huge shindig. Maybe we call it Matthew shindigs. That sounds better. Uh, But he has this big party and invites all of his friends so they can spend time with Jesus. And so the concept of a Matthew party is bringing unbelievers and believers together in a setting that's informal, that's casual, that's relaxed, where relationships can be built, friendships formed, an opportunity to share faith. Now, they give three points on Matthew party. He says, keep it simple. So, so it may just be a simple barbecue. It may, it may just be um, uh, sitting out in your backyard and drinking iced tea. 
It may be a rook party. That's Nazarene poker, right, if you don't know, rook. Maybe it's playing cards with somebody. Maybe it's inviting someone over to watch a football game. I think Ohio State plays every week, right? So maybe just inviting a neighbor over to watch. Did they win last night? Yeah, you do what makes sense and keep the ratio right. In other words, it shouldn't be you and, and 900 unbelievers, but a ratio that allows for conversation and connection. In Jesus' ministry, there seems to be three types of people. There, there's people who see themselves as unworthy, like Peter, like the lady at the well. A lot of people that just didn't seem worthy in their own eyes. There's those who saw others as unworthy. The religious leaders were like that in a lot of ways. And then there's people that saw themselves as worthy as the disciples begin to understand and others. Those are the kind of people that Jesus could use. So, so Jesus is inviting us to, to see ourselves as worthy of the kingdom and not only worthy of the kingdom but, but those around us are worthy of the kingdom as well. You know, this is good news for us all. So wherever you find yourself this morning, you are worthy. You are worthy to participate. You are worthy to share. In the Bible's book, he says, to people the world over, Jesus says, access is granted. You are welcome here in our little fellowship. Come on in and join us. Love and acceptance and grace await. Stay with me, if will, Vicky, if you come and start playing. We're going to close with communion this morning. And, um, you know, communion is this awesome, sacred ritual that the church has done from the beginning. Jesus instituted communion. You know, Jesus didn't say anything about having song services or preachers or anything, but Jesus said, every time you receive this, these elements... So it's a sacrament. And in this sacrament, there's a couple interesting things. And someday someday we'll do a series on communion because it's significant. In the the sacrament, in the receiving of the sacrament, we come forward, and, and some call it Eucharist, which is basically a fancy word for Thanksgiving. We come forward and we're reminded of the worth that Christ sees in us. When you receive the elements and you take that bread and you dip it in the cup, you should be reminded that Jesus thought you were valuable enough to stretch out on a cross and die just for you. And so that Thanksgiving, it's, you know, and we, we tend to take it like this, you know, somber, and you'll take it like that today. We probably should be taking it like this. It's a celebration of life. That Christ sees us like that. And he brings life to us through his broken body and his spilt blood. But there's other meanings to it as well. It's it's a table. And and so when we receive these elements, who, who, who when they had Thanksgiving dinners had kids' tables and adult tables, right? You know, and when you graduated the adult table, it was cool. Or maybe it wasn't, I don't know. In our Father's kingdom, there is one table. 
I'll go so far as to say this. There's not a Catholic table, a Baptist table, a Methodist table, a Presbyterian table. There is one table. And symbolically, we gather around these elements. And, and I like using the single cup as much as we can because the single cup reflects on the singality of, of the communion. We're one. And so we're reminded that Jesus paid a price to make us one. But it should also remind us of this also, that there's people not experiencing this communion, this oneness now. There's a place at the table for them, but they're not there. More and more, you know, parents that have had kids raised and move out of the house, you see this more and more. They're at the table, then they're gone. You know, now it's just me and Terry and Spencer. (laughs) Very rarely do we get all of them at the table. But when they're not at the table, I miss them. I want you to know that there's people, there's children, not at our Heavenly Father's table. And he misses them. And he wants you to miss them too. So as you receive the elements today, I want you to do a little bit of a different exercise. I want you to be thankful. I want you to be rejoiced at the table. But I want you to also ask, God, is, is there a brother and sister that's, that I'm responsible for? that I have the opportunity to share. So I'm going to pray. We'll dismiss from the back. It's a little bit after 12. I'm sorry. Uh, you, can, you can beat me later. And you'll come and you'll dip the bread and eat it as you go back, and then I'll close us in prayer. Lord, bless us now as we receive these elements. May we be mindful of the sacrifice. May we be mindful of the communion, the table. And Lord, may we be mindful of our brothers and sisters that need to be restored to you. In Jesus' name we pray. I know it's time to go. But I got to tell you, there's just a presence here this morning. We are one. Uh, One body, one confession, one faith. A pretty good place to live. That song that uh, Vicky's playing, I, I don't know exactly how the phrase goes, but somehow it says, you my best thought. I want you to know the best thought you'll have today is Jesus. May he stay on your mind. May he fill your your presence. May you fill his presence wherever you go. And may the grace of God just surround you as you leave this place. You are dismissed.